You're listening to The Room Block Podcast, a series of conversations with compelling professionals from the world of events and hospitality. I'm your host, Jen Salerno. I've spent the last 20 years in different facets of the industry, working alongside a variety of people that have one common goal, to serve our customers by creating memorable experiences. Now, I want to share with you the passions, inspirations, and challenges of the individuals who make it happen. In each episode, we'll hear insight and perspective from two guests that fill some of the many roles within this incredible industry. Welcome to The Room Block and enjoy your stay. Greetings, The Room Block Podcast listeners. Happy fall. We've officially made it to fall and so far so good actually here in Chicago. Uh, We are sitting at 80 degrees today. It's sunny. I don't think we have rain expected until the end of the week, so I'm pretty happy about that. I'm going to start off today with a pretty cool announcement. So for those of you who are Amazon Music listeners or subscribers, did you know that they've now started to carry podcasts? And so starting now, you can listen to the Room Block podcast on Amazon Music. So all you have to do is say, Alexa, please play the Room Block podcast and you will start to hear the sounds of my little music coming through the speaker. My kids do it all the time and they love to torture me with it. So try it yourself. It's really fun. Anyway, on the topic of different podcast platforms, I also want to just remind everybody that if you do enjoy listening to the Room Blog Podcast, if you have not yet subscribed on either, say, Apple Music or Spotify or Google Podcasts, please go ahead and do that. It's really helpful to help other people find the show, and it's even more helpful if you leave a positive review. So thank you for that. And on that topic, let's talk a little bit about the law of giving and receiving. Um, This is basically the theme that emerged when I was listening to this show and trying to figure out, you know, how did the conversation go? That's usually how I come up with my titles. I just want to listen to how my conversation with my guests went and see what emerges. So in this case, it really is the, the law of giving and receiving. That would be described as... The more you give of yourself, the more that will come back to you. And in this case, the idea is about support and say how you are supported by your company in the workplace, how they might, how your company might support your growth or how your friends have supported you throughout different things like a job search or connecting you with people that work for a company that you want to work for, or maybe even how people support each other in their roles in the workplace. All of these different forms of support that people give generally come back to them in the form of additional abundance and support, right? I think that this is a time where the concept of that universal flow of abundance is really important to remember because there are so many people right now who need help, who are searching for jobs or having adverse effects from everything that's been happening over the last six months. I see examples of it all the time, say on LinkedIn, people are posting jobs that they think somebody else might want or helping somebody make a connection. And I know that those people that are being helpful are going to receive support back as well. There's so many people who might feel very comfortable giving, and that's wonderful, but you also have to learn to receive when the time is right and accept support when you might need it or when it's offered to you because it's the kind of thing that it really makes the world go round, right? If you give, you receive, and all of these things together, this whole cycle It all leads to success. And as you're going to hear from my guest today, that is clearly what has happened for them throughout their careers. So who we are going to hear from today are Rick Nelson, who is the Senior Director of Sales Worldwide Accounts for Hilton, and Pam Nutting, who is the Director of Strategic Sourcing with Merit's Global Events. I had the pleasure of working with Rick during my time at OnPeak. He was for a while, our 
national sales representative for Hilton. And Pam and I never actually crossed paths, but I wanted to reach out to her because I knew that she also had a chance to work with Rick in various capacities. And she and I shared a similar role when I was still working. So I thought that it would be an interesting conversation between the three of us. And I was right. So without further ado, let's hear from Rick Nelson and Pam Nutting. All right. Hello, everybody. And thank you for joining us. This is now episode five of the Room Block podcast. And I'm excited to be with a couple old friends today. Um, we are here with Rick Nelson, who is the Senior Director of Sales Worldwide Accounts at Hilton. And we have Pam Nutting with us, who is the Director of Strategic Sourcing with Merit's Global Events. So welcome, guys, to the show. Thank you. Awesome. Thanks. Yeah, thanks for being on. Um, I always like to start our conversations with learning about our guests and how you guys came to be who you are today in the industry. So I would want to know what your journey is and how did you actually get into all this? So let's start with you, Pam. And if you could tell us a little bit about how you came to be where you are today. Sure. Um I actually got my start by filling out for a Craigslist ad, which I'm sure seems super scary right now. <laughs> um, but there was a, a meetings manager position and registrar on Craigslist for the Illinois Podiatric Medical Association. Um, I applied on a Thursday, drove from my parents' house in Indiana on Friday for the interview and started work on Monday. Um, that's also actually how I met my first boyfriend in Chicago because he showed me the apartment on uh, <laughs> February 14th on the Saturday. And oh. so he knew I was uh, single, obviously. Um, <laughs> but that was kind of my start into the whole industry. Um, and I actually had no idea what a trade show, an event, um, meeting attendees, i.e. no idea what anything was. All right. So, so you started working there and, and what was your role there? Um, I was the basically a jack of all trades. It was five people in our office. So I was the office administrator, um, the registrar, the meetings manager, um, exhibit sales, sponsorship sales, uh, did a little bit with the faculty, took out the garbage, a <laughs> like, little bit of everything. <laughs> Okay, well, what a perfect introduction into the industry. You got to wear a lot of hats within one job, within one company. So yeah, it was really fun. Pretty nice. And then you went from there into the housing realm? Yeah, so I actually met one of my really good friends. Um, we met at an IAEE annual meeting. And being in our 20s, we were kind of the last couple people hanging out there and got to chatting. And I told her that, you know, after being at that small association for about four and a half years, I was looking for something new. Um, it was also a very small office and being in your 20s in Chicago, I wanted to be in a more lively, fun office. And so she actually introduced me to our mutual friend, uh, Kevin Panetta. And that was when on peak was TTG. So met with Kevin, hit it off right away. Um, and then I had a really interesting interview with Carrie Kelly, who was on your show last week, um, Kevin Panetta, Brian Shen, um, all in Carrie's tiny office uh, to talk about housing. Um, and I guess I sold myself really well because all I did was contracts and negotiations there. And I had only negotiated two contracts um, at my previous job at the Podiatric Association. So I kind of learned on my own there, which I think is what's great about our industry is doing, learning, um, failing, and having people help you. Uh, that's basically where I got where I am today. Um, not a lot of formal training, but a lot of hands-on, um, and then just the support of everybody around me. Love it. Okay. So now, Rick... Speaking of maybe hanging out till the end of an event, uh, <laughs> I think a lot of people are going to recognize your name and know you. you. You've been around for a while and you make yourself known. 
you you're a social the social mm. butterfly. <laughs> so I, tell us about your tell us about your journey into Hilton. Absolutely. Like that's a ominous uh introduction there. No, I mean it it's all with good intention. <laughs> Thank you. I love it. No. Um you know, I think for myself like so many of us, I I fell into the industry as well. Um Right after college, I followed a friend down to Southern California and started working at La Quinta Resort and Club. And my first job was parking cars and did that for a few years, made just absolutely insane amount of money, uh, met every celebrity you can possibly imagine through the 90s. Um, that was the place to, to stay and to be seen. And then after... I, I knew I wanted something a little bit more. I knew I was going to miss, you know, all that cash on hand that you would get from parking cars. But I took the plunge and I went into management at uh, another Palm Springs area resort. And um, after a few years of that, I found myself transferring to Austin, Texas, and then um, joined the pre-opening team not long after coming to Texas, uh, uh, opening the new Hilton Austin. And did that and I believe the hotel was only open about four months when I transferred into global sales. So a, a lot of movement and a lot of things going on. I, but the biggest thing for me and the biggest learning lesson of where I am today is I loved creating those relationships. I know a lot of people in sales will sympathize with me when, uh, especially on property, is like you get to know someone so well and then all of a sudden you've booked their contract and then their group's not going to come around to your rotation for another three or four years. I hated that. It was like we dated for so long and then we broke up and now we're going to date again in three years. Um, so my biggest lesson through all of that was I wanted to maintain that relationship. And I, you know, I shared that with different people within our organization. And that's why, you know, the hotel was only open four months and a position opened up in the Chicago Global Sales Office. And it just had my name written all over it because I, I just, I formed those relationships and I didn't want to let them go. I didn't, I didn't want to wait for another, uh, you know, Austin, Texas rotation to be able to talk and see, see, our, see my friends that I'm making. Now that's amazing that you went into global sales so early on. Yeah, I'm impressed. Right? Yeah, but usually that's kind of like a what a lot of people strive to get to after many many years of being in sales. So good for you, but what a good fit. That's a really good yeah. point. <laughs> but you know, it, I think it kind of talks even to what so many people in this industry are going through right now. I I remember I. I, I was 29 and I just was very passionate about those relationships that I made. And, um, you know, it, it goes for so many people that will be listening to your show today. We all need to find our passion. And if you find yourself in a furlough or a laid off position, um, now's the time, you know, look at this as a, a push or a, a gentle nudge for you to really do some soul search and go, what is my passion? And I just can remember that that moment, you know, in time when I'm 29 going, I, I don't want to ever let go of those relationships. And um, I think that's brought me through this many years of working in global sales successfully. Well, I would agree. And you are really the king of relationships, I think. And, and like I said, I, I meant it in the best possible way when I commented about, you know, being, being out, you know, late at events with you, yeah. because you really are the person that you are the friend, you're, you're the you know, clients are your friends. You are, you know, about our personal lives, you know, you know, everything that's going on. Um, that was, that's your hallmark for sure. So perfect fit. <laughs> and I actually, before I got my job at, uh, it was Experient, now Merit's Global Events, I called Rick right away and I was like, yeah. okay, I was like, who do you know there? What's the company like? Is this a good fit? Um, and yeah, we talked for about an hour and a half and then he put me in contact with his old roommate who's also in the industry, who is a <laughs> vice president at Merit's Global Events. And we had a really good conversation. Um, so yeah, I mean, that's during that time, I was um, laid off and I had looked at other career paths and 
everything kept drawing me back to hospitality and staying in the industry. And then the position opened at Experient and it was perfect fit. Okay. Well, so this, I'm glad that you mentioned calling Rick about the job, um, about merits or experience at the time. So you guys have a working relationship, correct? Like, you know, in yeah, your, what, in your are, what are we going on? Like 12 yeah. years now or so? Exactly. <laughs> so can you describe, I mean, it's been over the course of a couple of different companies. I mean, the biggest thing for me um, coming into TTG, it was such a fun environment. Everybody, I mean, we were like each other's brothers, sisters, best friends. Um, we hung out after work. We worked together um, to make sure we got the job done. Um, and Rick was just like an extension of that team. So that's really, I think, where we kind of built our relationship. Um, and it just continued from there because I think like the best part about this industry is when you meet someone and connect with them, like the relationship is so much deeper than that's your NSO during this period of time. Um, I know that, you know, I did a stint at another media company in between, and I still stayed in contact with Rick, you know, during all of his life changes and my life changes. I mean, he has two boys now and I have three teens. So it's just, we've all kind of grown and evolved together, which I think is the best part about this industry. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. I agree. Well, and I think that probably helps with the success of, of moving into these different roles by having those kind of um, pillars or, or people that you can count on and call on and, and have as, you know, kind of a constant support system throughout all the different roles that you might take on in the industry. I mean, we've talked about it before on this show about not burning bridges and, and the fact that we, we all end up working together in yeah. various ways over, over the years. So Excellent. Well, so can you guys talk to me a little bit about your current or past companies or positions, but, you know, how did they help to shape you as the professionals that you are today? I I think for me, um, I feel Hilton did an incredible job tapping into an entrepreneurial side and saying, um, you know, you own these accounts, you're the account expert. They trusted my decisions. They supported me when I had questions. But it, it, it put in your head, what else can I be doing to brainstorm to create a success? And having that, just constantly asking yourself, and then, of course, going back to the relationship, you've already got these solid relationships. So your clients that you have those relationships with, they're going to help you achieve these, these successes. So... Um, that I feel for me elevated that relationship and really made it a much more strategic approach. And it also made me a little bit more nimble and allowed me to pivot a little faster than maybe my competition when obstacles appeared. That's so interesting that Hilton kind of fostered that entrepreneurial spirit in you. I mean, was there a lot of maybe different kind of training or... What kind of support um, do they offer from that standpoint? Over the years, there's there's been an absolute um, number of different platforms that they've they've focused training on, whether it's just sales or um, culture, and they're always ensuring that we have the information in front of us to foster and encourage that you believe in what you're selling and you you understand um, all of the people behind you as resources. Uh, I think that's why uh, Hilton as a company works so hard on their corporate responsibility piece. You know, whether we're um, talking about, you know, the awards we've received in diversity, you know, all the different thing, facets that go into that, that, that you, you had a great support system. You know, what a good point you made, because um, I remember working and having the support of Hilton, um, you know, yourself or other global sales representatives, because we're always so good about sending out communications on behalf of Hilton, um, which clearly Hilton provided to you <laughs> to inform right. your, keep your clients informed. Um, so I love that, that they would give you the tools to basically succeed with your clients, which I mean, 
obviously you hope that your company would do that, but it was very apparent on the other side that they were doing that for you. So yeah. that's perfect. Yeah. So Pam, how about you? Um, I would say merits, like the one thing, the big takeaway would be the people. Um, so the underlying like vision and mission is first take good care of each other. And I think during my two different roles that I had there, that was evidently apparent. Um, I came in, I was a department of one and I kind of got thrown in, you know, and it was like, here, this is what we want you to do. We want you to bring on these new clients or transition clients to use this sourcing and contracting service. And it's like, run with it. And, you know, I was ready and prepared for it, but I kind of didn't know what that meant. Um, so I reached out to everybody in every department. And I think that's, you know, that's what's kept me there for as long as I have been. Um, I've been there for seven years now and I've, you know, usually about four, four and a half years, I jump ship because I'm not learning, I'm not growing anymore. Um, but I was able to kind of move into a new director role where I had 12 direct reports. Um, they were all remote. Um, and I'd managed a team before, but I hadn't managed a team of that capacity and fully remote. Um, so the fact that they allowed me to take that on and kind of learn my own management style as I went through was awesome. Um, and I mean, some of my team members are, you know, my really, really good or best friends now. Um, through coronavirus, we've been like in a pod together. So um, I think that says a lot, just that they're willing to kind of let people take their own path and make your role what you want it to be for the betterment of not only yourself, but the company too. Okay. Well, so I'm thinking that going from having no direct reports to having all of a sudden a good number. Um, I was also in that position once as well, where going from nobody and then having, you know, 10 or so people report to you, it, it is not easy. And and it, it like really takes a village to kind of get that kind of thing going and, and being successful. And, and that also points to outside support, somebody like an NSO. Um, so could you guys talk a little bit about what you feel the most important aspect of an NSO relationship and NSO client relationship is, you know, Pam coming from your third party um, standpoint, Rick, obviously being an NSO, Pam, how did you rely on Rick to maybe support you once you had a large team <laughs> that you're working with? And then Rick, how were you able to support her? Sure. It kind of changed. Um, so obviously when I was doing a lot of the direct sourcing and contracting, Utilizing Rick was kind of more on the back end, right? It's like, oh, I have this problem. Like, Rick, can you hop on a call and like, you know, our client and like help us like walk through this process. Um, and then when I was managing people, I could see it from like the, the bigger picture. Um, so really talking to Rick about, okay, what are you seeing? What trends do you have? This is what we're reporting on. Um, we could talk about you know, maybe people on my team that were challenging to work with, like what was going on? How could I help him like nourish those relationships? Um, and at the same time, help me learn more about them too. Um, right. Because we were all remote, you know, that was the biggest thing is like staying in contact. Um, and I think like with your NSO, the biggest thing is picking up the phone. Um, I mean, we all love what they can do on the back end and everything for us, but picking up the phone having a 15 minute conversation and getting to the crux of the matter, like mm -hmm. that's really like where I see it. And I mean, the reality is, is without your NSOs, you can't grow your business because I mean, they were our livelihood without them. I mean, we couldn't get our jobs done. And then vice versa. I'm sure Ricky would right. say. <laughs> right. No, I, I, and for me, I think, you know, the biggest thing in, I don't think this word is too overused, but um, it's being that tr trusted advisor. And um, it's both with, you know, strong shoulders to lean on. And then me having the responsibility to lead with compassionate honesty. And that goes to both my hotels and when Pam would reach out. Um, I think that, you know, there, there's a level of candidness with respect um, that you can deliver. And really to me, 
until that's out in the open and until you can have that, you know, just really incredible, straightforward conversation, you you can't get to solutions. And and we can all think of examples, you know, working with you, Jen, and working with you, Pam. It really was once we took that vulnerability down and we were able to have those meaningful conversations, that's where all of our successes came from. They all grow in that space once we're able to be vulnerable and have great conversation. Yeah, I love that because honestly, that's kind of the basis for this show <laughs> in my mind was was to, to, to be able to keep having conversations just like you described, like honest, yeah. you know, learning more about each other. Was it really going to take to keep yeah. going and move forward? So, yep, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, that was a huge push that we had was just radical candor. So honest, open feedback and right away too, like not sitting on it and letting things fester and get yep. to a bad point. And I think now more than ever, it's critical with everything that's happening in the industry. Oh, it is. And, you know, you think about what we've been able to achieve and even in your past role, Jen, when we work together, I just think about all of these great things that we were able to accomplish. And it was, for me, I, I know I sell a little bit different than other NSOs. Like I, I had to be friends with everybody and I had to know, you know, your pets and your kids' names. And that's, that's not always needed because um, at the end of the day, I respected the role that you guys do and, and have done. And um, I always knew that I had your respect and now, then I look at other NSOs, how they do it, and it's, I don't think there's that perfect um, recipe for an NSO because I've seen really great successful people do it slightly different. Um, and I, in thinking about, you know, today and in talking to you, those successful relationships go back to like trust and respect and appreciation. Those were the top three things that I kept on coming back to. And as long as you have respect, you don't necessarily have to like that person, but you respect their role. And, and, and you, then it goes, gets you to the appreciation part is you can appreciate them in so many different ways, but at the basic is that they're helping you achieve your goal. Um, I know that I work 100 times harder for the person that shows appreciation than I do that the person that expects it, um, if that makes sense. It does. <laughs> <laughs> it does. I think we've all been in that position, right? Where where there's, mm -hmm. you, when you really enjoy who you're working with, I mean, it, yeah. it kind of does make you want to go the extra mile. Yep, absolutely. Yeah. Well, so, that's we're talking about the relationships that that you guys had before and how you guys worked together before. Now, everything's changed, right? <laughs> uh, you know, there's you know, I'm not in the opportunity to work with a NSO right now. Um, but Rick, I know that you are still actively working and very, very busy. So can you tell us a little bit about what is going on right now and then kind of what you think the NSO client relationship of the future is going to look like? Absolutely. Well, I think when you look at our current state, um, we could be working around the clock if you want, if you were able to, if you had had that, uh, if you didn't need sleep. Um, so we've got, you know, meetings that are being um, canceled and moved to other years. And now we have meetings that are being pushed out a little bit further just to get that much more of a comfort. Um, and our biggest thing that's going on right now is how do we instill confidence in the individual traveler, which then will trickle over to the attendees for the group. And we are seeing a rebound th uh, around the world. So, you know, one of the fun facts that I um, listened to on our Q2 uh, earnings call was that only 20% of our hotels even closed over this pandemic. Wow. But us in the convention and group, group space, it was, you know, those hotels that depended on group business. 
So I thought that I found that really interesting. Um, and we have a number of tools and resources that um, have been rolling out over the last few months to help that group planner. Those those are the baby steps. We're getting you know we're getting that confidence. We're we're helping wherever we can, and we, and we want to go that extra mile to get any resource in everyone's hands that we can. Yeah, I can see where that's going to be really important. And and then just to keep yeah. those lines of communication going and open always. Absolutely. And then going, looking at the future, uh, I feel like my role more than ever is, it, it is going to be the most important relationship you have um, moving forward because we are in uncharted territory. Um, you know, I don't think it'll be necessarily about the number of years uh, that we've worked together. It's going to be more about that consistent behavior that we've shown each other. You know, that's going to be the difference. By having that open line of communication and being able, whatever's the top of mind or whatever the biggest hot button it there is, that's what needs to be on the table for discussion. Um, and that's where solutions will be coming from. Mm -hmm. Well, and what a good point about it's not how long you've worked together because you are in a position now where you are probably talking to people that you haven't had to talk to before or right. I mean, like you, you don't have Pam there right now to be your, your link to merits or link to, to her team. Um, and you're you're taking on other work, I believe, right? So I mean, there's yep. there's just um, a whole bunch of new relationships <laughs> that need to form and keep forming. Absolutely, and um, you know, we already mentioned it, I, but those relationships and what we're bringing to the table now, those relationships are going to form with just a, a consistency of that willingness and ability to help and and foster the relationships and the, I'm more of a matchmaker where I'm fostering relationships with my hotels too and, and those clients. Um, so yeah, I, I, I just feel like a, a NSO GSO position is going to be more important today than ever. Overall, I think the strategy is going to be key because so often, you know, you just use your NSO or GSO as Hey, you're the lead catcher. Did you get that? Did this hotel get this? Can we get these bids back by this date? And then, you know, we would manipulate them and send them to the client and discuss them. But now I think it's going to be bringing all those parties together to talk about like, what are you seeing at Hilton worldwide? What events, you know, what areas have opened up that live events are working? If we have to go hybrid, like, how can you help us go hybrid? Because I think in this current space that we're in. We have a lot of intelligent people in the industry, but we're working in a new landscape and there's a lot of challenges. And unless we're all, I think, collectively talking and you know, throwing out any ideas and talking about what is the client's overall vision? What's their mission for this event? Because it's no longer how many people are we getting there? It's this is what we want to accomplish. So it's more like ROO versus ROI now. Um, and I know we all want to get back to ROI, but I mean, in this interim phase that we're in, I think we really need to just like, we call each other partners all the time, but like truly, truly be partners and mm -hmm. collaborate together. Yep. Okay. So that was really interesting. And I didn't actually think, and so I'm sorry, I didn't, <laughs> we didn't talk about this question, but I'm just curious, um, Rick, is Hilton doing anything or kind of working on anything to try to assist clients with the virtual piece? I uh, actually, we are, um, the virtuality of a meeting or it's here to stay. Um, this pandemic has pushed people into making it work. Um, different planners I've spoken to have seen, uh, their base, uh, increase, um, whether, I mean, the sky's the limits. And um, I even was in an interesting conversation a couple days ago where um, they're looking at models for pricing for that virtual attendee because they're not going to have the travel and the air, you know, all of those things that it takes to go to a meeting, they're not going to have it. So there's going to be a different 
pricing. Um, they're also going to look at, you know, how do, how do we bring people so that we're uh, like education, what, you know, the, the technology platforms, there's just so much being spoken about. In no way does it, do I think it's going to detract from people going to that meeting. I, I think it's just going to add to their, their attendees. And that's just, that's what we're seeing already. Yeah, I think it's going to open it up to new people that maybe wouldn't have made the journey to the event before, because yeah. with the virtual aspect, it removes all those barriers, the language barriers, timing barriers, um, getting visas and all of that, mm -hmm. so that that way they can test out these meetings and events and see if it's worth their while. And once they like, you know, it's like anything, it's like, I love Hilton, right? Like most of my really good friends work for Hilton. Like it's just their people. Mm -hmm. But like, it's the same thing with your event. It's like once you suck them in and you like, they really want to speak and be your evangelical for your event, then you've already got them. So I think that this is going to be like maybe the least expensive way to market your event to people that you've always wanted to get there, but have never like actualize. Absolutely. And you, you asked what we're doing. So we've had um, a series of exciting launches. It started with clean stay. And uh, that was our very transparent uh, cleanliness program and protocols that we're putting into uh, for that individual traveler, whether it's the guest room, the public space, uh, we break it down very clearly. Uh, you can f all f find out everything on Hilton.com. And then the next rollout was Event Ready, where it talked about unique and creative food and beverage solutions, um, our room setup. And then um, just last week, uh, we are launching a playbook, which I'll share with both of you within the next couple days. But it's robust. It's 113 pages. It's all online. It gives you, you know, A to Z on how we feel, um, you know, a, a successful program can take place. Yeah, I'm excited to show it to you because every presentation I've done in the last week, um, I know no one else in the industry has done it. And it's just going to be an incredible resource and tool for, for everyone in the industry. Good. It's so great to hear that Hilton is kind of seizing the moment and, and doing what they need to do. I mean, really, I guess they don't have a choice, right? I mean, no. you, got, you have to adapt with this time. It's it's very pivotal. So I mean, yeah. you have to choose to move along and, and cater to that. Um, yeah. So speaking of that pivotal moment, the pivotal time that it is for the industry, can you guys think of moments within your own careers that ended up being super pivotal for you? Sure. Um, so when I was at the IPMA, um, the, it afforded me the ability to do a lot of things. Um, and so managing their Midwest Podiatry Conference, it was a very large conference. Um, and I actually got the IEE Show Manager of the Year Award. Um, and for me being 25 and getting this massive industry award, I never envisioned that, um, when I was in college and I was interviewing with Kellogg's and all of those types of things. I mean, at that point in my career at 25, I would probably still be getting somebody coffee, doing some data mm -hmm. analytics in a back room. Um, and here I was like going up on stage in front of, you know, thousands of my colleagues, um, and I think that being able to be awarded something like that so early on in my career is really what pushed me to continue to grow. So I never left a job because I didn't love the people that I worked with or I didn't you know, like what I did. It was because I personally knew that I needed to keep growing. Um, and I think that all the avenues within hospitality like allows you to do that, like whatever you mm -hmm. wanna do. Wow. No kidding. Like, this is super high point to reach so young. And that yeah. you must have said, okay, I'm clearly good at this. <laughs> let, me, <laughs> let me continue to foster this, this career. Because yeah. three years before, I had no idea what a meeting was. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> and that, that's the that's the best part is about this industry is just that you know the rewards that come from hard work i mean it really if, if you work hard you can make it happen it's directly related so so rick how about you what what was your pivotal point oh my gosh well i love this question I, you probably both can guess where i'm going with it um uh, for me it was um adopting the boys I, it was an incredible lesson in learning empathy and grace with others. Um, and I'm really going back in years and thinking more of when I was in operations. Um, I just couldn't understand why somebody would call in sick if their child was sick and why they were late um, dropping someone off at school. I, I, I don't think I really paid a whole lot of attention or I just, I just was missing that really big uh, key in in dealing with, you know, so many coworkers. So those boys have taught me so much and I'm just so fortunate to have them in my life. But that, um, that was a really big learning lesson and it happened real fast. Um, <laughs> so uh, yeah, it was definitely eye awakening for me, so. They didn't come with a playbook? <laughs> no, no. I, I would like to think I'm a much uh, kinder and maybe I'm classified as a more, more type B than type A anymore. Uh, but it's definitely smoothed out uh, some rough edges. First of all, I was hoping that, I was assuming you were going to go there with that answer. but um, And I'm glad you did because it is so true how having children in your life in some capacity teaches you that there are you just have to shift your focus right like no longer yes. does it make sense to work all hours you can't do that anymore no. like you are needed mm -hmm. elsewhere but it, and yep. honestly it probably makes you a better worker because then you can ultra yep. laser focus when you need to be at work because you know yep. at five o'clock you have to go pick up the kids and then you are moving yep. to a different capacity. So yeah, I know. All right. Well, good. So we're also talking about, you know, the pandemic and how it has changed many things for many people. But um, as many negatives as we've seen this year, we've also seen a lot of positives come out of it. I think um, I think yeah. there's been a lot of a lot of new habits that people have taken on and, and ways their lives have changed mm -hmm. for the better. Um, you know, you talked a little bit about passions, Rick, and trying to kind of think about where you want to go. But so can each of you tell me about some habits you've picked up or, or new ways of living that you are um, doing now that you want to carry with you into your future? Sure. Um, so I guess one of my big things is health. Um, I had some health issues a few years ago and I realized that what you put into your body is what you get out of it. So we did a garden this year, um, thinking that initially in the pandemic, there's not going to be any food. Um, <laughs> that was not the case, but, um, it turned out great. We grew a lot of vegetables. I'm making my own sauce now and salsa and like trying new recipes. Um, and I'm eating better. I'm feeling better. And like, Although with everything else going on, um, I think it's it's changed my perspective on things because it's one thing that I can control in my life right now, too. Um, and it does make me feel better. I think the other personal thing that I've really done is I've made it a point to reconnect with people that I've wanted to stay in contact with. But for all the multitude of reasons, work, kids. I don't feel like talking on the phone anymore today. Um, I've made it a point to reach out to those people, whether it's, you know, meeting them on a patio and sitting six feet away, or if it's just calling them on the phone, I'm kind of beyond the zoom calls now with friends. But um, I think that's been one really good aspect in all of this is just making those reconnections and then realizing that you're still as close as you were before. I had a friend that I went and walked with a couple weeks ago and she mailed me a card to say like, I can't believe that, you know, we haven't seen each other in a year and a half and we just picked up like it was yesterday. And, you know, like just the personalized card too. Like that's, 
nobody had time to do that before. So I think that, you know, with everything like awful that we see every day, I think the personal connections are going to be so much stronger when we come out of this because people are going to crave it, which is also why I think live events have to come back because the digital world just doesn't give people that same connection and feel. Yeah, totally agree. Okay. No, that's, those are great points to make. Well, and also Pam, I just want to say like from a, from my perspective, you're very active currently on LinkedIn. I mean, I feel like you, no, you really, you, you, you post a lot of really thought provoking things. And I, I really enjoy that. And I think, I don't know if it's something you're doing on purpose (laughs) or if it's something that in, I don't know, but I mean, it's just something that I think it's, it has to be keeping you connected to many things, people, the industry. Um, and I, I feel like it ha- it's beneficial for me to see what you do. And I would assume it's beneficial for you to then receive as well. Well, thanks. Yeah, it's, um, it's a little on purpose right now <laughs> with my current situation. Um, but yeah, I think, you know, it's one of those things that it does. It keeps me involved in the industry um, and then a lot of things outside of it. So, I mean, I kind of took a step back and looked, you know, if I do have to leave this industry for whatever reason, what is my background? You know, what do I really enjoy doing? Back to Rick's point. And I really enjoy working with the clients, building those relationships. And I think that's throughout all industries. Um, So that's kind of where I've been putting my focus is like customer success. And like, how do you deal with your teams during this time and people in general? And I think there's a lot of there's a lot of good articles out there right now that also help personally, because I think, you know, all of us with our families internally, we're this little like working group that we can't get out of it. I mean, it reminds me when I was at IU and we were in i and it was like, I don't want to see these people ever again. Can't we just like graduate from junior year, you know? <laughs> um, but it's just helped me to kind of take a step back, read more, obviously. Um, and I didn't have time to do those things before. Um, and it's also connected with me with a bunch of people outside of the industry. I've actually, I've reached out to several people that I don't, I don't know them at all. Um, but I heard them on a career podcast. Or I heard them on um, a happiness podcast. And, you know, they were a testimonial. And I found them on LinkedIn, I emailed them, and I was like, hey, do you want to chat? And now I've kind of become friends with a couple of them. Wow. So it's yeah, so it's really, um, I think that's my biggest surprise out of all of this is just how much people are willing to help. And so yeah. I've made it a point to try and give that back too, because I feel like I'm getting so much from people that don't need to help me at all. You know? All right. Well, that is excellent and brave of you too, but it sounds like it's you know paying off just the making new connections and and seeing what there is outside of just our own little bubbles. So excellent. All right, Rick, how about you? Any, any new awesome habits? Yeah, no, you know, Pam mentioned a few of them, but really uh, for me, it's been finding some efficiencies at work. Uh, We don't have the same amount of manpower as we did going into this. So, um, you know, finding the easiest way to achieve whatever it is you're working on before we had many people helping me. Um, so I've had to become a little bit more tech savvy and, um, (laughs) rely on some resources that were always there, uh, that I hadn't just learned the skill set, and that's helped. And then the other thing has to do with family. It's, you know, I, the last uh, six months, spending time with the boys before they go down, not only is it just like the best part of the day, and it's so much fun because they have really, really giant personalities, as you can imagine, <laughs> um, but it's just so needed. So, you know, that that two, three hours every, every night when they come home from daycare is just all about play and, and dinner, of course, and baths and just laughing. Um, we need we need more of that. Definitely helps uh, with the, the stress relief. Yes, I would agree. This is the first time that I've been around the kids for so much time, and 
it, it is it's really nice I, mm-hmm. I i really enjoy it too so yeah. it's it's i'm i'm home for bedtime every night <laughs> it was never That's the amazing. case before so yeah. yeah it's been it's been great well it's almost realizing that like they're little people too or as ours are taller people than me um <laughs> but yeah kind of realizing that you know in a couple of years like they're adults at least on my side so you know you when you're with work and everything and you're moving at such a fast pace, it's kind of like you forget about it. Cause it's just the day to day, like get to school, get to bed. Like, did you shower? Did you do your laundry? Like, and now it's kind of taken a step back and it's like, we're having conversations about something that they read on Reddit. And I'm like, who are you? Where did you come from? <laughs> so I love when you have wow. a real conversation. Like so I have a, a nine-year-old and so we're, we are at that point where we're starting to have, more interesting conversations and his personality is really coming out and the things that he likes to do it's cool all right guys well i had a lot of fun talking to you both today i yeah thanks for having us thank you for thank you joining me um it was i I hope the audience is going to have some great takeaways from this conversation i think that um it was really interesting to talk about the virtual events and how the hotel world can possibly support that and the different ways that uh, we're going to be working together now and in the future. So thank you both for your insight. I really appreciate it. Thanks a lot. Awesome. Thanks for having us. Thanks again to Pam and Rick for being on the show and for showing us that acts of kindness and support truly are one of the keys to success. Well, that is a wrap on episode five, and I want to hear from you. Please send feedback, show ideas, comments, questions, and of course, interest in participating to me at roomblockpodcast at gmail.com or send me a message on LinkedIn, Facebook, or Instagram. Thank you for joining me today, and please remember to subscribe to The Room Block so you can continue to join in the conversation. Mm